Good afternoon and welcome to Open Air and good afternoon, Ashwini. Good afternoon, Michael. I have announcements to kick us off. Wonderful. The Buddha's journey to see into the heart of true nature began with encountering an old person, a sick person, and a corpse. In a new email class with Sherry, we follow in the Buddhist footsteps as we embark on an in-depth exploration of aging, sickness, pain, and death. The class begins this Sunday, February 4th, and the deadline to register is this coming Friday. Recording and listening is a simple and powerful tool that assists us in accessing the wisdom, love, and compassion that is our authentic nature and live the life we want. Our five-week class, which begins March 13th, includes recording and listening exercises and time in class to process your experience. Sangha is once again invited to deepen practice at our spiritual home at Four Acres Zen Center in gorgeous Squim, Washington. This year's Summer of Sangha includes week-long and weekend retreats from June 14th to August 18th. A full schedule of yoga, meditation, guidance, workshops, groups, and self-guided practice will be offered. Registration is limited, so sign up soon. And for these and other practice opportunities, visit livingcompassion.org. And a few reminders for tonight. If you'd like to get in the queue to talk with Ashwini, please press star six and then one to make gas show. And a conversation of about five minutes and on one topic is great. Okay, Ashwini, I'm going to get us started here. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. First caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, um, hello, this is Andrea. Hey, Andrea. Hi. Um, I'm not really sure what I want to talk about. Um, I don't know. I think I'm just calling in. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I guess I feel like a lot has been happening, and um, I guess what I'm looking at was being um, really moved yesterday. I watched something, and um, it just opened the floodgates, and I just was crying, and um, it was a good cry. I definitely needed it. Uh-huh. What were you moved by, and why did you need it? Um, well, it was a, this is, okay, Ego's telling me this is going to sound really silly, but um, I was just watching a program about American Masters, about um, one of the, the founder of the Beach Boys, and um, he was just so um, open and vulnerable and had gone through a huge amount of stuff and it just really moved me I don't know I was really surprising um, and I think I just identified with his vulnerability and might you know I projected that onto him and his openness um, and I don't know for some reason it really moved me and I've just been I guess um, really feeling overworked and um, at my job and also um, I've also been concerned about wanting to help um, a family member and feeling like not knowing what to do so uh-huh. uh, and may I project Andrea that that experience of watching someone else's vulnerability is really projection and therefore oh. there was a, an ability to touch into something in you from which it was possible to access uh, an experience that you weren't in touch with or could not get in touch with sometimes we need an external gate to get to our internal depths right and it sounds like this watching this particular program 
allowed you access to looking at that feeling of overwhelmed and that feeling of not knowing what to do. Yeah, I mean, totally. I think it, it just, um, oh, God, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like so much, so much was opened up. I mean, I know we're going to be talking about, you know, death and sickness and, um, and, you know, and, and I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just feel like, um, it, it allowed real feelings to come out rather than being stifled by mm-hmm. conditioning. Yes, a really important insight that we are stifled. We are censored. Sometimes, to, sometimes we don't even know that the suppression is going on. And so it's a surprise, as you said, because we're not in touch with it, and then we're in touch with it. Yeah, and and um, and gosh, and and I and the other thing is just um, wanting to help this person so much, and um, they're doing quite a bit. I think they're doing better, but. Um, you know, just just wanting, um, but still, they open up occasionally, and they'll tell me how depressed they are, and um, and how even in spite of their s- recent success, that it doesn't mean much to them that they're still depressed, and you know, and I want them to to basically get help, and I'm powerless. Um, to do that uh-huh. and you know I, I basically just need to listen and and you know basically it involves you know well my son just turned 18 and you know I, I just really want to help him and and I feel stuck and mm-hmm. sad for him and I, I don't even know if that's really how he if he he acts like he feels like that all the time, but then I don't really know if that's the case or if he's just identified with that because once he starts talking, he feels he starts to get more animated and seems to disidentify from it. So anyway, I think like I we think all so. do, right? Yeah, I mean, same yeah. process for him as we, as you just said about watching the movie and having floodgates open for you that when our attention is redirected from conditioned mind, what, however that identification is, whether it's in the middle room or the dark room, we emerge from it, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess, you know, it's just such a different feeling to be in touch with compassion and also just the bittersweetness of Anichta, you know, all formations are transient, and that, and 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 other people's pain versus, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of a, I guess, it feels conditioning wants to say it's overwhelming, but I I guess it just, um, I don't know, it's intense, I guess. Yes, it is intense to feel alive. To love, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, and it is bittersweet, especially if the object of our love we're projecting is suffering. Yeah, and he just turned eighteen, and and you know, I I need to be able to talk to him like an adult because uh, he is. I mean, he's more mature, and um, and you know. <laughs> And so I just listen, uh, but I just wish, you know, I just wish I could do more. That That's, yeah. Well, and, you know, Andrea, I think that's an important piece of an expanding awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Because the in the conditioned world, if you care, you have to fix. Mm, yeah. Whereas as we grow in practice and in mature, maturity, 
what we get is we can care and be because the fixed part, the doing part, is the product of an assumption of something wrong. Right. And so in that, that place is bittersweet because there is such a level of being in touch with, being vulnerable to the love that is, that is the love that you have for your son. Plus, mm-hmm. whatever, that we, whatever we want to label, mm-hmm. uh, the, within quotes, the frustration of wanting something for him that you can't make happen, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because I know we've talked about this before, and I think, you know, I've been mainly in the frustration. Um, mm-hmm. Not rather, the Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, it's like, and that is sort of the, the release, right, that, that I let go. I have to keep letting go in, in, in what feels like painful, but, but mm-hmm. it's really expanding awareness places of, of what I have been attached to. So we could say that a process level, that's what, that's what is, that, that's the process, right? Whatever mm-hmm. I was attached to in keeping together broke through with watching somebody else's vulnerability touched me to let that go. And in that opening, there is that ability to have that experience in, in, of letting go for ourselves, which is being in touch with the love, in touch with the pain, Mm-hmm. in touch with the, the awareness that while, while we can witness something, we can't necessarily affect it. And therefore, the best, that, that the best we can do is offer our, our unconditional love and acceptance as an expression of that love. And then everybody, everybody has to work out their salvation diligently. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and then, you know, and as I hear all this, you know, what what I, I hear, um, I, I see a process of not doing it right coming up of, um, am I, but am I enabling him by not, you know, requiring him to do certain things? And, you know, and, and so that's, that question's coming up, like, I want you to answer that question for me, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Or can, can as you, in me, as in in this me, as in me, or him, you meaning uh, him to answer that question for you? Oh no, I mean, I mean, I want someone external person um, to tell me what what I should do. What's the best course of action? That that's that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. So so the the. The process of did I do it right, which is a familiar one for you, is coming up. Yeah. And the way out of that process is to have some external validation that you're doing it right. And that doesn't work, right? right. Because if yeah, because it's just a, a consultation with a yes-no circuit that will always answer back in a way that you're going to suffer. You're not mm-hmm. going to get the right answer. There's no right answer. I mean, it will tell you yes, and you'll suffer, and it'll tell you no, and it'll suffer. Mm-hmm. So to stay in that place of that's not the, the only outcome of consulting any system of external validation is suffering. Mm, that's yeah. That's well. That's really helpful. Um, getting all of this stuff out of my head and getting some guidance on this. Um, because, yeah, you yeah. know, I guess it's, it's probably just, you know, basically trying to figure it out, which is suffering, right? right. So, yeah. yeah. Because if I'm not engaged in that circuit, if that's not the yardstick of, uh, I don't know, whatever the yardstick is for, right, mm-hmm. uh, feeling okay, then, then I, can, I, can, I can look at the moment to that place of, open vulnerability to life, to love mm-hmm. on, a, on a different level of calibration to be able to have an answer of what's appropriate to do in the moment. Because I don't leave the moment to decide what is right in abstraction, right? Which is what consulting that conditioned circuit is. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I think I'm remembering what you and Sherry talk about, about just let life lead. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So because if if you do have that experience of, I mean, that question, like what mm-hmm. is appropriate to do? It's going to come from the moment, and if there's no self hate, mm-hmm. and if there's that orientation that it's coming from love, and that orientation that I learn from whatever course of action I take, it can never be wrong, then there's such a beautiful dialogue of, of an unfolding love in action, right? Yeah, yeah, and I guess, I guess, I guess it will just drop in in the moment, right, my actions without thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. I project that listening is one um, one thing that's available to you as the dynamic between your son and you shift from a you know to grown ups having a conversation, right? And so then there's the ability to uh, to facilitate, to listen, to draw, to clarify, mm-hmm. to have conversations that are process conversations where both of you can work out, not figure out, but work out what would be best because you're now it's no longer you that has to make those decisions you know i mean you are the parent in some way but it, the dynamic has shifted and so does that open up a channel of communication where mm-hmm. the roles have shifted and therefore what can be discussed is also different yeah and I feel like I mean this has been going on for a few years and you know it's basically um, he's very very um, strong-willed and so we finally just decided that we let him lead more and so I guess it's not so out of the blue (laughs) it's um, Uh yeah I guess it's just um, uh, just Oh, gosh, I, you know, it, you know, I, I want to say, you know, give them advice. Well, you should do this and this, but I know that it's just not gonna, it's not gonna help. Yeah. And you know, I know when that's my mother, practice of restraint and religious observances, right? Oh, I, yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you frame it like that because I know that when my mother tells me advice what I should (laughs) immediately rebel so I just have to think about that so yeah Yeah, absolutely whatever it takes to you for you to be present right to be able to use your reflective listening skills yeah and to your facilitation skills and that knowledge that at first you just have to practice right because everybody has to have their own experience and make their own choices and go through suffering processes till they can find their own way Right, and so there you are, present, learning, compassionate, and taking care of yourself in the process, so that in some ways you can you can be the only thing that you are for him, which is love, and and an example of there's nothing wrong. Mm, Yeah, yeah. This well, this is really helpful, and um, and yeah, it's just saying saying I'm I'm very grateful, and um, I well I'm. I, yeah, I, you know, it's been a lull in the practice, but um, anyway, I'm, I'm really grateful for for everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Andrea. Yeah, thank you, Gasha. Yes, yeah. And keep us posted. Okay, I I will. You know, just before I let you go, there there's a yeah. lovely chapter in Don't Suffer Communicate about processing. Uh-huh. which I think is uh, is worth a read right? okay. because it, 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 it defines a process of communication mm-hmm. where it's a back and forth between two people that mm-hmm. allows everyone to own their own experience mm. okay. rather than guide or facilitate or... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, advise or mm-hmm. all of those things that we that get us into trouble. Yeah, it's a protocol of communication that might might be something that you want to practice or try or initiate. Yeah, well, I have the book, so thank you. I'll I'll take a look at it. All right. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us, Andrea. And uh, Ashwini, I'm not seeing our good news guest in the queue right now, so why don't we continue with another caller here? Okay. All right. Next caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Dixie. Hi, Dixie. I have. I don't. I don't know if you remember me, but I've kind of been in a deep, dark hole for several years, haven't really been that active with the Sangha. And some things happened. Well, thank you. That um, I just realized I was really suffering about something that happened between my husband and my son's stepfather and my adult son that... um, just caused a big thing. So I started looking at counselors or someone. I found a counselor that could remove negativity. And I thought, well, that sounds easy. And then went on to look for other like Zen centers. And I live in the Austin area. And I looked up Sherry on YouTube and saw a video. And then I've been just listening to the all the archives and I'm amazed at how many things there are. When I first began the practice, I was just starved for anything. We used to check out cassette tapes of the group meetings that were sent to you in the mail. And now everything just seems so easy and just so much opportunity. I've um, become a monthly donor and signed up for the email class and really just in with all feet. I started listening to the key and then I get to the part where you have to actually do something. Uh, Well, let me back up. I was very resistant to the recording and listening. Well, you know, I wasn't, but someone was telling me (laughs) that the mentor wasn't going to know what to say to me. And, you know, I just, every time I would, listen to the talk the radio show it would talk about recording and listening and that's part of why I think I dropped it because I felt like I couldn't do that Uh, Mm -hmm. in the midst of looking for like my printed daily recollection I found the letter from there's nothing wrong with you to myself and you know just digging up a lot of things um, did the guided meditation uh, entered all that in my calendar for the schedule, and uh, the first time I meditated, just began weeping, you know, at bead number 26, which is <clears throat> about <clears throat> publishing other fe- people's thoughts, which is what I feel like I've been doing about my spouse in this whole situation. Um, I'm kind of rambling on now. So, oh, the key was like I had to do something. I had to stop and write my best self and my worst self, or draw it, and and that's the thing that comes in. Like, I don't know what to do. I just feel like I'm. I don't know how to do that, or that's what I'm being told. I guess. So, Dixie, tell me a little bit about what is what do you hear when you when you come to an exercise in the key. It's so just, I understand the feeling of resistance, right? There's a, you can't bring yourself to do it. But if it's like I don't have, yeah, I don't have an answer. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't know what. <laughs> it's just like drawing uh-huh. a blank. Uh-huh. So, so what? So that's very interesting, right? So it sounds like you're very familiar with that process because that happens with record. There's a resist. That resistance is a um, a process that you're going to pay attention to. I mean, we all mm-hmm. do, right? It's the first thing that comes up when we're going to do anything. It doesn't matter if you're doing spiritual practice or sitting down to meditation. The thing that is going to make us free is the thing that that program resists. So yeah, and that's what I don't understand. All along, while I was jumping in with both feet and just really dedicating a lot of time to this, I felt 
felt the mentor really encouraging me and you can do this and this is great and it felt like home, you know. Mm-hmm. So to get to that place, you know, I need to look further at that okay, thing. Okay, so uh-huh. just give me the give me the assignment that you were looking at in the key. So to draw what? I was li- I was listening to it, and I don't have the book in front of me, but it it was like, what is your worst, your best self? Mm-hmm. And either write about your best self, and then what is your worst self, or draw mm-hmm. about you know mm-hmm. draw a picture of either one of those. And, okay, um, let me ask you something. Can you tell me something about what you love to do? Give me an example of something you love to do that you enjoy doing. Mm, well, in general terms, I I love to learn and to help people, and mm-hmm. I was doing you some art. Yeah. Uh-huh. So tell me, give me an example of what you do to help people. Well, I recently spent time with a friend who had really nasty carpet that the dogs had swelled on for years and it smelled really bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I ripped up the carpet and revealed this beautiful hardwood floor underneath and cleaned all her blinds and, you know, just tried to get her house Mm -hmm. better for her because she's kind of disabled. And what about art? What is it that you... Tell me something about what you love about art and what do you do in the domain of art? Uh, I do acrylic pour, which is just fluid art. So you don't have, mm-hmm. you can't have any expectation of what it's going to look like. You just uh-huh. pour a bunch of paint on there and tilt it around and you get what you get. Uh-huh. It, it's kind of frustrating. And what are you enjoying about that? Is? Um, I think that you don't have to have a plan about what it's going to look like. You can't control it. It's going to just do what it does. Uh-huh. Well, Dixie, I think you should listen to what you and I just talked about, and you'll see your best self being described. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So sometimes yeah. asking the question differently might be helpful. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, pro- the process that we're looking at, right, is resistance. And so when sometimes when the question gets asked, that program, the defensive part of the program comes up. And so you have to, you have to be patient, right? Patient to summon the, the thing that is being blocked by it. Yeah, and I remember one time Sherry saying, you don't learn to dance by reading a book on dancing. You you have to get up and and dance, Ooh. and that's kind of what it felt like. I'm just a little rusty with the doing part. You know, I can listen to all this and read the book, and then when it comes to the actual task mm-hmm. at hand, then I get hoodwinked like I don't know the answers. Yes, that's right, because we consult what doesn't, the, I don't want to, I don't feel like it, part of the program, right? And yeah, so, that, well, that's what came to me, too. It's like, oh, you know, I can do this. But it's, then it was like Mount Everest that, yeah, yeah, I could do that. But mm-hmm. look how huge it is to even get right. back to where I was when I dropped out of practice. And yes, but good, you, do it one, you do it one step at a time. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, and the, and I and brilliant because what you just articulated is the conversation that is underneath the resistance, right? It's overwhelming. It's too much. This is way too whatever, and so that all feels hard, like yeah. resistance, and that feels mm-hmm. too hard. And you're absolutely right. If you if you are looking at it from a training perspective, then you are looking for a structure that has the smallest gradient of difficulty, which is your first step. Mm-hmm. So, so when you, so perhaps the next time you encounter an exercise, I, I remember, let me give you an example, right? When I first started to record and listen, I too could not, I just couldn't do it. 
I just could not listen to anything. Recording was easy, right? Picking up the recorder and saying something was easy. But I couldn't bring myself to listen to it. So the structure I came up with is for 30 days, I was going to make a recording that was less than 30 seconds. And the only thing I had to do the next day was to endure 30 seconds of the recording. And if there was resistance to 30 seconds, I was going to do 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so... As you're looking for going with these, I mean, addressing some of these rusty parts, the doing parts, one way to think about it is what would be the smallest, uh, smallest step you can take? Write five words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even something yeah. like pick up the recorder and say, my best self. Well, I don't know what my best self is. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So <laughs> what is the definition of best? Something that, so what is best? So if I can't find anything about my best self, can I find something that is good about life or someone else? Right? As soon as we start to have the conversation, it's like oiling the weeds, right? We lubricate the process a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, the, and I project it's a huge win for you or a huge win for you, for the human being against that program that you called in today and asked for assistance. Mm-hmm. And I called in last week on the wrong day because we had gotten in from out of town on a Monday and I thought it was Sunday and I called in on Wednesday. And <laughs> so I had a little practice calling in. I wasn't near as panicked this week. Oh, good for you. Good for you. And that's it. That's that, the fact that you called in again, right, today. That's important. Yeah. That, that, that persistence, that willingness to show up and keep with it till the resistance barrier breaks down because it will. Resistance does not. With, uh, it not doesn't give up. Scrutiny. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it, it can talk us out of practice, <laughs> right? But it, it sounds like the willingness to go past it is so available to you right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah. I also uncovered... Sherry had these cards that had a little holder that I had, and when I was looking for something else, I found that. And some things with my husband were like, I don't feel peaceful and calm when I'm around you. The card I drew says, we're not trying to maintain a peaceful life experience that puts egocentric karmic conditioning in a position to be in charge, attempting to control us in life. We're practicing letting go of everything that keeps us from accepting life as it is. That was just really profound because mm-hmm. I have this idea that I need to have this peaceful life and that's what I'm striving for instead of just accepting that life does what it does like the art that I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is so. two things about that, right, Dixie? One is when we're so open to guidance, It comes to us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the faith that we build. So here I am having a a suffering experience and I'm opening myself to practice and something comes into my life that is profoundly profoundly life-changing. In fact, it gives me an insight to what, what practice, why I'm doing practice. I'm not here to have a peaceful life, which is a standard that that program defines as this is what a peaceful life is and and this is not it, (laughs) to altering our perspective, right? What I'm practicing with is looking at how to accept how things are, not Mm -hmm. how to let a fantasy of authority define how things should be, right? Yeah, because even looking to other people, that's my form of self-hate, I think, is just, being critical and judgmental of other people, and there's lots of fodder with in my situation, and so it just doesn't ever. It it's not ever going to happen, you know. I mean, I can't control other people. I can only work on myself. 
That's right. And you don't even have to work on yourself, right? <laughs> because yeah. if your, your goodness is already established, all we have to, within quotes, work at is to train to direct, redirect the attention. Because mm-hmm. you've already exactly. identified that what is self-hating is ego projected outward. So it's either ego projected outward or ego projected inward. And once mm-hmm. you know that that's not who and what you are, and that it, your choice is not to control external circumstances, but to simply direct your attention away from what you're not to what you are, then you are on your path to freedom. And then over mm-hmm. time, the only thing that you get really good at is doing that on a moment-by-moment basis and remembering to do that moment by mo- on a moment-by-moment basis. Yeah, and catching yourself when you're suffering and then go, oh, well, that's why, because <laughs> yeah. I'm saying this, yeah. they shouldn't be that way. <laughs> that's right. Something is saying I shouldn't be that way. A voice in my well, head. They, they shouldn't be that way. If they were different, they I, wouldn't be work, different. I, that's right. I wouldn't have to work so hard to accept them if they were just different, you know. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Was there more, Dixie? Um, no, I think that's good for now. It, it, it sounds as, it, as, it, as if it is, and uh, don't be a stranger. We'll look forward to seeing you in the email class and, and everything else that you're participating in. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Mm-hmm. You too. Thanks for joining us, Dixie. And Eshwane, I really love that wholeheartedly diving into practice and getting involved and participating. Um, I really, it's, I find that very inspiring. It is. It really is. And we have our good news guest here. I can find them again here. Yes. And, um, and then we'll come back and talk with uh, more callers after that, Eshwane. Thank you. You're welcome. And Jen, I'm turning it over to you for a good news update. All right. Thanks, Michael. And I'm pleased to be joined by Bob, who is here to speak with us about a switch in one of our technology platforms. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Jen. Speaking of technology. (laughs) (laughs) So what's so great is um, I was thinking about as we were coming up to this interview and you know, one of the things we often say we love about practice is how everything is truly practice. And, you know, it can seem like something like, okay, well, you know, this, this platform isn't really working exactly the way we want it to work or what we need to do, so let's just find a new one. You know, that's just a detail of life, right? But as it turns out, in practice, everything is an opportunity to practice. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about this journey that you've been on as we've gone through this. Sure, Jen. Yeah, so, so we've used like a particular technology platform to kind of process donations and registrations for 19 years now. And, um, you know, for a number of years, um, you know, we were getting the, you know, what was kind of obvious is that we need to look for something else. And we literally spent years kind of sitting with that, looking mm-hmm. and trying to educate ourselves and looking and, um you know, uh, for many, many years, the answer was, hmm, I, I guess we'll stay with us for another year. Mm-hmm. And, Not time uh, Right, exactly. And mm-hmm. about maybe six months ago, uh, what dropped in is, yeah, now is the time, and, and this is the thing we want to, to move to. And the thing that I, I loved about it, which I think kind of speaks to what you started with there, is that, that you know, you know I, my sort of, I'm supposed to be kind of paying attention to the technology we use, but it's not the the uh, you know like in a, in a corporation it'd be like chief information officer who's supposed to like uh-huh. make sure that everything works and is perfect and you know has all the bells and whistles that we need. But that's not what we do, right? We're, we're, all we do is practice. So it could be our yeah. technology, it could be on a phone call, it could be in a group, it could be on a retreat. It's all just practice. 
Um, and so the great thing about that is, is that our motivation is whether when we're present, if what comes in is, yeah, let's, let's try this now, not let's make this perfect or let's do this or let's, you know, somehow, you know, because like for my own conditioning, whenever we start some project, you know, mm -hmm. it's like conditioning is like, okay, well, you're responsible, Bob, for making this happen perfectly. Right. 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 Well, yeah. no one has ever said that to me in our group, no. in our practice. You know? Only the voice in your head. Calling you. The voice in my head. Yeah. And the way that we go about things doesn't support that either, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we've known that we wanted to move on, and it just hasn't been the right time. And no one said, well, what's this? Is, there's something wrong that this isn't happening, right? That just doesn't, because right. that's not what we're doing. And, you know, it's such it's such a gift on so many levels because the modeling that we always receive in this practice, especially from the guide, and so it, you know, it's throughout practice, is exactly what you're saying, that we don't look to, you know, what does a chief information officer do? <laughs> you know, what's the, basically look to conditioned mind. So what are the ideas about this? What does the head say about this? What does convention say about this? You know, well, if we need a new one, then we need to push to make that happen. We need to find the one that, you know, has, as you say, the bells and whistles and all the things we need. And it's up to me and all those places. But that what you're asked to do as a steward of practice in any role is what's called for in the moment. And that's a whole different way of learning how to look and learning how to be even with the information. And so... I, it sounds like you get to see so much in that process of something that, yes, does need, is going to happen on a content level, but it's the process of it that becomes such a gift on so many levels. Yeah, exactly. And then the other piece to add to that, I would say, is that, like, we're also, like, you know, it's, it's that place that we always often talk about responsibility and not control. So, mm -hmm. So my role is to, you know, kind of steward literally in the in the meaning of that word, this area. Mm -hmm. It's not to make a decision. It's not to make the right decision. Right. It's not to tell anybody what we need to do, but yeah. to be in communication with everyone about here's what I'm seeing. And then yeah. practice and the guide will respond. And yeah. and then, you know, it's like it's very easy in when it when it's looked at in that way because it's like, oh well, so my role is really here is to be present with all of this, to bring awareness mm -hmm. to it, and then to communicate. That, that's something I can do for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's just, I mean, talk about applicable to every area of your life, right? And to have that tangible experience of it so that you really have a yeah. way to practice with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so... So what does this mean you know, for us on the content level, Bob? <laughs> Well, so on the content level, you know, we have this large group of, of dedicated uh, monthly donors that we, you know, we refer to affectionately as MODOs and that, that the Zen Center relies on to support practice. And one of the implications of making this change is, is that anyone who was having an automatic monthly donation made from their bank account or from a credit card, um, you know, we, we, we don't hold that information, so we can't bring it over to the new system. So, you know, we're, what we're asking of folks and we'll be communicating about this is, is to help us, you know, reestablish some motivations on the new platform, mm -hmm. um, which has also been another great place to kind of practice with because, you know, really, I mean, monthly donors really are kind of, you know, they're, they're the steady support of the monastery, yeah. of, the, yeah. of the Zen Center. And so, you know, to suddenly, because literally, there's no way that we can, we can we can continue those donations without people actually helping us do that by setting themselves setting them up again by themselves, and so you know conditioning kind of well should we take should we make this change because we can't guarantee that everyone will 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 re up their or reestablish their monthly donations in this new system, and once again I mean practice just doesn't support making decisions nope. from fear. Mm -hmm. Yep, that is absolutely true and so brilliant, right? If this is the thing to do, then we do it. It doesn't matter. Oh my gosh, but I mean, what about this and what about that and that could happen? And or, you know that if this is the thing to do, we'll do it. 
we don't make decisions from fear. Yeah, and two things that have come to me today that I've been looking at. One is something you know that you know that Sherry has said that actually has communicated in the the first email we send to everyone about this is you know that that you know one that the practice has always been supported by the people who are supported by practice, and mm-hmm. but actually how much an individual might give is different for different people at different times in their lives. And sometimes, you know, uh, you know, what, you know, a, a smaller donation, you know, some might feel perfectly right. And sometimes a large donation feels like it's not enough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> everything else in practice, you know, we're asking for people actually to look for themselves when, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not going to, it's just, you know, because like I know for myself, you know, at times in my life, it's been very hard to make a monthly donation. So it's been very mm-hmm. small. And other yeah. times it's been it's a bit different amount. And yeah. so, you know, uh, so that that's important. And also the, the thing that um, I remember a long time ago, we had a, someone called Lynn Twist who spoke to us about mm-hmm. giving. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and this kind of, to me kind of speaks to the, the fear part of it is that, you know, if someone, you know, doesn't want, you know, isn't able to give, or speak to someone who just moves on from practice, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that that she talked about like a blessing and releasing people. Yeah. So we're not actually trying to like bring in money no. for people who actually aren't actually practicing because right. practice is actually the main. That's all we're really doing here. That's right. And so, you know, it, it just seems really important to me that when I'm looking just for myself, you know, that it's mm-hmm. it comes from like, you know, what 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 feels right in this moment. Yes, yes. And so really, I mean, as you say that, Bob, what I'm realizing is it could be a gift to all of us, to anyone who is contributing to practice. To you'll, We'll all get to walk back through that process consciously mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And that's a gift. Exactly. To get yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so just, you know, so what we're, what we're going to be doing is um, – uh, the beginning of, of February, we'll be sending out an email to all of the current uh, monthly donors, um, kind of inviting them to kind of to reestablish their monthly donation on the new platform. And we'll, we'll send a couple of reminders, uh, but um, just to kind of let people know that that's coming their way. And that it is important because, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit. We, we rely on people's donations yeah. to exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it is... Um, uh, and, and there's that great um, essay uh, or writing from Sherry, Money in the Middle Way, uh, in, in the email we're sending out to everyone, which anyone who's been on retreat at the monastery will recognize. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of, really kind of clearly and compassionately kind of uh, talks about money um, and, and practice and giving yeah. that I think is just super helpful. Yeah. And it occurs to me, especially as you say that, Bob, with the, you know, what a foundation the motos are to practice, to just say thank you to people, because it, it truly is. I mean, that the commitment that people have to that a monthly donation, as you say, for whatever is there, the appropriate amount um, in their life, you know, in the moment, is a lot to be grateful for, because all of us benefit from um, practice being able to be available. So, yeah, just a deep bow of gratitude to our monthly donors and to you for, you know, modeling so beautifully that it truly is all practice. And anyone who is offering practice, as you are in this sense, um, is offering their own practice. That that's all each of us is doing, is we're, we're doing our own practice and we're being part of Sangha as we do that. So it's really quite a beautiful process all the way around. Yeah, definitely is. Thank you so much, Jen. Mm, thanks, Bob. Good night. Right. And Michael, we'll turn it back over to you on Ashwini. Wonderful. Thank you, Jen, and thank you, Bob. And welcome back to Open Air. And Ashwini, I just loved following that process that was being described mm-hmm. there in that conversation, the process of nothing wrong and making a change without fear and with a lot of great communication. It's just incredibly inspiring. It's just very, it's a great modeling for me mm-hmm. in my life. It, it truly is. And and it is a huge undertaking. I mean, I've had, I have the 
privilege of looking of of being privy to what needs to happen in order to migrate an entire database, which has been our repository of information for thirteen or whatever 50, whatever number of years that Bob just mentioned, right? And so, and that wow. and to me, it's such a it's, it's such a level of attention that is being paid to do this in in a way that's an integrity with practice as you said, in the communication as well as in the actual migration, right? And preserving everybody's privileged yeah. environment and making sure that the, the process is done with absolute care and attention. And that wonderful place in practice, which I'm so glad Bob um, articulated for us, which is in, in, in any organization except this one, it would be one of the most risky things you do. Right, that place of fear where wow, we're going to we're going to do this, and our entire way of supporting practice is now TBD uh, <laughs> to be determined. But there's we don't come from that place because that's not where we practice from, and there's such absolute trust and confidence in the generosity of the sangha, right? So it's a trust in life and a trust in, in the community that this is all. The offer to and is supported by. And so it's just, a, as you said, Michael, a beautiful modeling of being in total integrity with who we are and what we're practicing. Yes, indeed. And we have another caller here, Ashwin. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome. Next caller. You are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Laura in Berkeley. Hey, Hi, Laura. Laura. Hello. Well, I was also just doing Q practice. And, uh, um, yeah, noticing I I enjoyed the conversation about resistance earlier and was looking at my process of resistance just around calling in and um, just seeing all the thing, all the different things that conditioning was telling me. And then throughout the call, well, just hang up now. Well, no, well, how about you kick yourself out of the queue now? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good thing that you don't listen. Yeah. That more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I resonated with uh, something that was said about um, that that was the story that was underneath the resistance, and mm, um, mm-hmm. the, and that sparked something for me because I was noticing the last couple of days I've had resistance to sending an email at work, and um, hearing that I, I think I was realizing like oh there was a store seeing there's a story about that email of like I have to say no to this person I have to you know and I, but the answer always has to be yes and what if they think this or what if you know so um, mm-hmm. just felt like it un- unlocked that for me yes that so two things that uh, you're pointing us to right Laura one is if it's like those stickies on the process map it's mm. very helpful to know it's resistance as a, I, I'm resistant to as a word on the sticky. But it's much more helpful mm. to blow it up and see what the actual language is because now mm. I have information. It's impossible to do something with blankness, right? Because it's a no information mm-hmm. situation. It's not something I can, there's nothing I can do about it. But as soon mm-hmm. as you can see that part of what's going on here is, and the voice, the voice is identified, and for you it's, I don't want to send this email because, and there's the, mm-hmm. there's the ability to see where the suffering is, mm-hmm. right? The actual suffering mm-hmm. where uh, I, I am conditioned to say yes because I can't stand what would happen if somebody else is going to feel bad because I know what it's like to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much compassion that can come in and so much we can offer the human being who is 
resistant, who's, who's being tortured by a voice that says, uh, you can't do that. You're going to make, make waves or you're going to make somebody unhappy or they're going to come after you and be angry or whatever it is that is the threat mm-hmm. that is actually the reason for the resistance. Because right? I have mm-hmm. to survive that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and it was sort of more the flavor of, uh, yeah, it, is this gonna? Are they gonna come back at me? You know, like less that they would be disappointed, but that they would be upset with me. Um, and and I think it. I talked with Sherry a while ago about um, like getting my experience of having like stabs of fear around work and 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 then how I coped with that and uh, it, it feels like another layer of the exploration of that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Say more, Laura. Another layer of exploration about the stabs of fear. Yeah. So the, the fear is underlying, uh, underlying the resistance. Yes. Yes. The, and, and it's like when I was experiencing it before, it was kind of bigger because it was like, you know, I've got to give these big presentations and it's, you know, whereas this, it's like just this underlying, it's like, oh, I don't want to send that email. It's like this little thing. But underneath it, it's, it's like the same process. It's the same thing of like, well, but what if you, they get upset? And then what if your boss criticizes you? And what if they don't come back as a client? And what if, you know, like all these things. Yeah, but, what if, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. yeah those, the threats of the future that may or may not happen. And while we're mm-hmm. listening to them, take us out of the joy of living a life. Yeah, and, and it feels like there's a shopping in right now is it feels like in that place there's an illusion of an other. Uh, I guess it's illusion of separation. <laughs> you know, there's an illusion of there are these other people out there and they kind of hold my well being in their mm-hmm. hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it, it, so there, so. I'm glad you used the word illusion because that whole thing is the illusion, right, Laura? That there, so somebody, the the projection that your well-being is tied to another person's reaction, reinforcing mm-hmm. so many things. The conditional, right, which is what ego thri- the ego system thrives on, but also mm-hmm. in some ways not really um, allowing us to see that the the entirety is an illusion. The, the conversation mm. is also an illusion because the future doesn't exist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a much more, yeah. that's a subtle place also. Because right? if, if I am the person listening to the conversation, it feels really real because I'm yeah. referencing a past in which that has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can project that onto the future and say that's likely to happen. And if that happens, I'm going to feel as bad as I felt before. <laughs> and I'm living right. in an entire fabrication that I can't see is the illusion. Yeah. And you're right. The other is also an illusion because who knows, this person might be uh, happy to receive the information or be very present and centered and able to receive the information or very mature, <laughs> God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm getting the sense of it's like when I'm in that place of the fear, it's like, I feel very, it feels very like I'm not on stable ground, you know, and maybe that's because I'm, I'm in an illusion, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, yeah. In touch with what's real. Yeah. That, that's exactly, that's beautifully stated. I mean, we don't usually see fear that way, but it is true. Mm-hmm. I am identified with something that has no basis in reality. No wonder it feels shaky. And it's a yeah. feeling of intense sensations, right? Because that also yes. gets us, gets, feel, makes us feel a bit ungrounded because there's a, there's a heightened sense of, I don't know, physiological response. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. 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 I'm grateful to just 
get to get to connect here. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes, and to disidentify, and then yeah. hold that person's hand while they while somebody who is the you know who who is hired to do your job sends the email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, the epiphany was dropping in earlier. It was I, I I can't remember who told it to me, but someone was would ask um, if in my practice. Uh, if that feeling had words, if it had a voice, what would it say? And I feel like that can be so helpful when I'm I'm just yes. feeling something and I'm not sure what the story is behind it. So. Wonderful. Yeah. What if yeah. if that feel if that within quotes whatever that is had words, what would it say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Laura. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us, Laura. And Ashwini, we are just past the top of the hour, and it was a fabulous show, and I'm really grateful for all of it and everything. Everyone. Likewise, me. Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for being here, and go happy. Go happy. <laughs>